I'm going to read uh, John chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. It says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that, does, uh, that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And I'm going to read that again, and you can either read along with me on the screen or maybe close your eyes. But uh, this time as we read this, uh, what word or what phrase sticks out to you? What word or phrase does God uh, highlight for you in this text? I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So what word or what phrase stuck out for you? And just take a moment to uh, highlight that phrase in your mind. And I'm going to read it again, and this time uh, I want to highlight how God is using this text to, to speak into your life today. How is God using this text to speak into your life? It's a similar question, but let's read again. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will even be more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. How is God using this text to speak into your life today? Take a moment to think that through with Jesus.
I'm going to read it one more time. And this time, uh, allow Jesus to speak to you on the question, what is, what is he asking you to do or to become? What is he asking you to do or become as a result of this text? I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And we'll just spend a remaining time again. What is God asking you to do or to become as a result of this text? Father, we thank you that you are the gardener. We thank you, God, that you care for us, that you prune us, that you desire for us to be even more fruitful. We thank you, God, that you care for us in, in the way that you have washed us and made us clean by your word and the work of your son, Jesus. God, may we be people who remain in you. God, there are many things that are pulling at our hearts and tugging us and, and trying to pull us away from you. God, the enemy is at work. This world is at work. But God, may we be people who remain in you no matter what. God, that we are nourished from you, that we get our life from you, that we uh, focus on you and drink deeply from you. So God, continue to fill us, continue to bless us, continue, God, to prune us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I'm going to invite uh, Chris up to lead us in our offering. All right, thanks again for everybody who came out uh, yesterday for cleanup. Uh, it's looking good out there. I got a lot uh, cleaned up and a bunch of things burnt, and the kitchen is one step uh, closer. I got all the baseboards on and everything polished up in there, so you can go back there and, uh, and take a peek. And uh, thanks to Chris for getting this organized 
yesterday. Uh, we are going to dismiss the kids, um, grade two and under. We have uh, Crystal and Amy at the back, and so let's pray a blessing, God, over our young people. Uh, God, we thank you for our young people. We thank you, God, for Crystal and Amy. God, are willing to lead the Shine Zone today. God, I pray that your spirit would be strong in, uh, in the class today, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So grade two and under can head to the back. And by the way, the little scripture exercise is something uh, you can actually do at home whenever you open the word. Uh, sometimes it's, it's helpful to read God's word slowly. I mean, sometimes we want to get through it and get our three chapters read, but sometimes it's more effective, especially if you want to hear uh, Jesus speak to you, to read through it slowly, uh, to ask questions, to allow him to, to speak uh, to you. Uh, we've been working through the book of Ephesians, and we're going to be continuing today. Uh, last week, we mentioned, as we uh, were working through chapter 4, uh, we went through uh, and passed this verse, but we said we were going to spend some time talking about speaking the truth in love. And so we're actually going to be doing, over the next few weeks, a little mini-series mini about speaking the truth in love, namely surrounded around dealing with difficult people, because it's often when we have to uh, learn to speak the truth in in love. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. And let's pray. Father, we pray that you would open your word to us. God, we are people who need to hear your voice. And uh, God, we pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to hear you speak to us today. Uh, God, we thank you for the many relationships you have given us. And, uh, and God, you know sometimes those relationships get tough. And so, God, I pray you would help us to be people who walk maturely and wisely uh, when we're dealing with difficult people, whether that person be us or someone else. And so, God, we pray you'd speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so we're going to be, yeah, just taking this idea of speaking the truth in love, and we're going to break it down over the next uh, few uh, weeks. And today we're going to sp spend most of the time talking about listening because before you actually speak the truth in love, there's something you must do first, and that is listen. The Bible actually says we are to be uh, slow to speak and quick to listen. And often when we're dealing with difficult people, the, the first thing we want to do is speak, share what's on our mind, and we want to get them. But the Bible says we're actually to listen first, even though that can be super, super hard. But we all have uh, difficult people in our lives. We all have... Uh, people that we've run into conflict with. I mean, if you're alive and you're around people, it's going to happen uh, because we're sinners and we're selfish and other people are sinners and they're selfish. And you put a couple of sinners and selfish people together, you add in some brokenness from this broken world and relationships can get messy. And we all know what it's like to be in conflict with people uh, I mean, maybe it's, it's a coworker at work. You just go to work and you're just like, this person just drives me nuts and yet I have to work with them. And maybe it's your boss. Maybe you're the boss and it's your, it's your employee. Maybe it's a neighbor or maybe it's your spouse that you just think they are difficult people and they probably look at you and think you're a difficult person. I mean, we know what conflict is like. It, it happens. And yet, Jesus asks us to be people who walk maturely through conflict and to walk maturely through dealing with difficult people. And as we're talking about this, we're not talking about, you know, like 
abnormal situations like murder or rape or those kind of those are kind of in a different category. We're talking about this kind of typical relational conflicts with people that happen every day at work or in church or just when you're hanging out with other people. The Bible asks us to be people who are able to speak the truth in love. In fact, the Bible tells us this in Romans 12. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. In other words, it's not always possible. Uh, sometimes when you do everything you possibly can, it is still not possible to live at peace with everybody. But even though it may not be possible to live at peace with somebody, it is still possible to have peace about the relationship if you've actually done everything you can to try to make it right. And we're going to be talking about how we can do everything we can to try to make it right. But we are called to be people who, who live at peace with everyone. This is not just people that we get along with or nice people. It's, it's everyone. Even those people that really tick, tick us off, those people who really drive us nuts, uh, even those people are considered our enemies. Because the Bible actually say we're to love our enemies and bless those who persecute us. And so... And what's odd, it says, as far as it depends on you. And sometimes we're like, well, it's not my fault. They're the one who wronged me. I didn't actually do anything. But Paul still says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And the Bible actually says, and we're going to talk about this more next week, that it doesn't matter if they sinned against you or you sinned against them. As far as it depends on you and me, we are to do everything possible to live at peace with everyone. And you may be, well, Paul, you say, well, Paul, you know, he's like this super possible. He doesn't know my life. He doesn't know the people I have to deal with. I mean, he was living this, he's like this Jesus follower, and I mess up, and man, I got these tough relationships. Paul didn't know what he's talking about because he doesn't know my life. I don't know if anybody actually struggled more with relational conflict than Paul, and yet he still said this. I mean, before uh, Paul was a Christian, it says this in Acts 22. It said that he persecuted the followers of the way, that's Christians, to their death, arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison. Now, that's an easy way to get into conflict with people. When you're persecuting people to their death, you're throwing men and women in prison. You bet he had a lot of broken relationships. Yet he still says... As far as it depends on you and me, we are to live at peace with everyone. And then he has this amazing experience. He becomes a Christian, and it still doesn't get all right. In fact, now he makes even more enemies. The Jews don't like him now. In Acts chapter 9, it says, After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. Saul learned of their plan, because now he had converted from Judaism to Christianity. Now the Jews were mad at him, and the Christians were mad at him, because Paul was, doing, he was hurting both groups. In fact, when he tries to hang out with the disciples in Acts chapter 9, it says, when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. I mean, you talk about broken relationships, Paul had them. You talk about difficult people, Paul had them. Yet he says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you and me, that we are to live at peace with everyone. 
Now, we all know that conflict is really hard. And everything in us wants to just run away from it, hide it. You know, just, we just don't want to deal with it. I mean, it's just it's difficult. It's stressful. It fills you with anxiety. Just everything. And just like, I didn't want this to happen. I still don't want it to happen. Just, just go away. And often what happens when we're in relational conflict is we actually uh, approach it in kind of immature or uh, wrong ways. And one of those ways is that we, we like to avoid conflict. If conflict begins to brew in our relationships, uh, often we will try to avoid it. Uh, we'll just pretend like everything's okay. Say, hey, how's it going? Nice to see you. And both of you know there's this huge elephant in your relationship, in the room. You just kind of pretend like it's not there. You, as the old saying, you sweep it under the carpet. And maybe you have people right now that, that there's this conflict you have with somebody and you're just trying to be all friendly with them, yet there's this elephant, you both know it, you just try to sweep it under the carpet, but when you try to sweep conflict under the carpet, you know what, it's still there. You might try to cover it with the carpet, being all nice with the person, but it's still there, and it'll rob you of peace. Because whenever you see that person, you're reminded of this conflict. Whenever you see them, just these feelings of bitterness or anger becomes, because you've just swept it under your carpet. And, and like the Pharisees, you, you look beautiful on the outside, but on inside, you're like filled with dead men's bones because there's this brokenness in the relationship. We often try to avoid it. But there is a better way. And that's what we're going to be talking about. And that's uh, uh, speaking the truth in love. Other times we run from it. Uh... You have a conflict with your friend, and all of a sudden, I'm just going to get a new friend. I just don't want to hang out with you anymore because, again, conflict is really hard to deal with. It takes a really mature heart in Jesus to really deal with it well, and it just seems easier if I just run from it. I'll just get a new friend, or I'll get a new group of friends because I'm in conflict with this group of friends. I'll just find a new group, and that'll be easy, or we're in, even in today's world, sometimes it's you know, I'll find a new spouse, I'll, I'll find a new church, I'll just, I'll just run from the conflict because we're not willing to deal with it. And so we can run from conflict. Uh, we can stuff it, another way we can do it. You just kind of stuff it in, and you try again to pretend like everything's okay, but it's just brewing. This is the sort of passive-aggressive approach, which is, which is really common in this area. A lot of kind of passive-aggressive people where, you, again, it's all about trying to be nice on the, uh, you know, you speak nice words and loving words, yet inside you are just angry. And though you can try to hide it verbally, usually for people who stuff it, it comes out non-verbally. And so they see you in the grocery store, they'll go down the other aisle. Uh, they see you in church, they'll sit on the other side, or they won't look at you or shake your hand, or they'll just, you know, just be inside, they're, they're actually just they're kind of angry at you, they'll scowl. Uh, you know what, sometimes y y they can just, you know, make these, they're just trying to get attention sometimes. A lot, even like little kids do this, they, they'll be angry and they, they, they misbehave just trying to get attention because they want someone to say, oh, are you okay, what's going on? We do that as adults too. We stuff it. And sometimes you can stuff conflict in a way that the person you're actually angry with doesn't even know. You're mad at them. And maybe you've had this happen where someone's been angry with you and you don't even know. And I think it was a couple months ago, actually, I got a letter from someone who was saying, you know, they were unhappy with me and my ministry and they didn't put a name on it. And I have no idea who this person is. So there's someone who has stuffed something and 
I can't do anything about it because I don't even know who it is. You know, I thought everything was great. Whatever. I, I mean, uh, and you've had this happen to you too. And maybe you're with this with somebody. You are actually ticked at somebody and they have no idea. And you're carrying around this bitterness and unforgiveness. And yet you're just trying to get them. And I hope that they acknowledge they're wrong. And they don't even know. We can avoid it. We can run from it. We can stuff it. And in fact, the Bible actually tells us, and we'll talk more about this in the next coming weeks. Ephesians 4 says, in your anger, do not sin. Because you know what? There are sometimes you're wronged and, and to feel anger is okay. Uh, but you don't sin in your anger. But it says this, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Sometimes people carry and stuff or avoid or run from anger for years. They just keep carrying this along, and they can never live at full peace. Again, you may not have peace in the relationship, but you can have peace about a relationship if you actually tried to work it through, and you get to a place, well, you know, maybe i got to put up some boundaries or whatever, but there's not really much I can else can do. I mean, deal with it before the sun goes down. I mean, if you are having a relational conflict with somebody, the Bible says you need to deal with it as soon as you can because the Bible says you were called to live at peace. You were called to live free. Jesus came to set you free, and you can't be free if there's this ongoing uh, battle that is going on in your life. And lastly, uh, we can negatively express it. And this is where you're in a conflict with somebody and you just, you just, you get angry and you blurt out, you push, you use angry words, you use violence, you use emotional tactics to manipulate the person, you try to control them, you shut them down, you're not willing to listen to them, you just, it's just expressed negatively. Ephesians 4, and we're going to talk more about this later in Ephesians, but it's what actually the Bible says, and this Applies even in a conflict situation. Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Remember last week we talked about how we all have grace that we need to give away, that we're called to be grace givers. Even in difficult situations, dealing with difficult people, we are still called to be grace givers. There's never a place where we have an excuse to negatively express anger in terms of, you know, blurting out and yelling or pushing or violence or control or manipulation or gossip. You know, someone hurts you, one of the first things you do is sometimes not speak the truth in love, but you go tell all your friends, hey, you know what, so-and-so, you can believe how they hurt me. And as Christians, we baptize this in terms of, oh, we really got to pray for so-and-so, you know. You know? <laughs> uh, only what is helpful for building up, and there's a way to speak the truth in love in which you can actually do this. And so these are sort of the negative ways we respond to conflict. We avoid it, we run from it, we stuff it. We negatively express this, and, and none of us are perfect here. All of you will probably tend to one of these things. I mean, I'm someone who tends to avoid it. I'm a, I like to sweep things into the carpet and just pretend everything's okay kind of person. Some of you, 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 just, you just more lean towards gossip and, and, and anger in the wrong way. Some of you, maybe you're more of a stuff it kind of person. You just walk around in a passive-aggressive kind of way, and you just let it build up, and you scowl at people, and you walk on the other side of the road. We, we all do these kind of things, but we are called to walk maturely in this, and we're going to talk about how to do that. In fact... According to Ephesians, the way you handle conflict or difficult people actually reveals how mature we are in Jesus. 
I mean, there's lots of ways you can answer, you know, how, much, how mature are you in Jesus? We can answer it a lot of ways. But one of the ways is how do you respond to conflict? How do you respond to difficult people? How do you respond to an enemy? Or some people call it these days a frenemy. You know, those people who are kind of friends but sort of enemies, you know, a frenemy. Uh, the whole idea of speaking the truth in love is actually surrounded by words of growing up and being mature in Christ. Look at what Ephesians says around uh, speaking the truth in love. So Christ himself gave, and we talked about this last week, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. And so this is speaking about growing in Christ and being built up in Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and becoming mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. What does it look like to be mature? What does it look like to be growing in Christ? What does it look like to be the, to becoming the fullness of Christ? Well, it goes on. Then we will no longer be infants. That's immature. Tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead... Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become and never respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. It is surrounded all about the idea of maturity. That when you're able to face conflict situations or difficult people in a way that you're able to listen and speak the truth in love, that means you're doing well in Christ. Because you know what? When you have to deal with a difficult person, that is when you are pushed sometimes to the max. But the fruit of the Spirit is patience, gentleness, love, joy. And the more you're filled with the fruit of the Spirit, the more maturely you're able to handle difficult people and stressful conflict situations. The less you are filled with the Spirit, the more you're going to result to division, conflict, avoiding, stuffing, yelling, gossip, whatever it might be. And so we're going to talk about speaking the truth in love. And we'll spend most of the time next week talking about that. But before we talk about speaking the truth in love, there are somewhere we first need to start. And that is listening. The Bible says that everyone, including extroverts, everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Before we speak the truth in love, we need to listen. And it's, uh, Bonhoeffer actually called it the ministry of listening. There is a lot of ministry just in listening to people. A lot of times people just want to be heard. A lot of times people will result to sort of a passive-aggressive scowling, walking down these, avoiding you, not looking at you, shaking their hands, because all of us are saying, I want to get your attention, but I don't want to say anything. I want to get your attention, so you will just listen to me. A lot of people don't feel listened to these days. Uh, maybe you don't feel like you're listened to. That my spouse never listens to you, my friends never listen to you, you know, just my, just, I just don't feel listened to. In fact, one of the comments I get a lot because I'm, I'm a good listener is like, I just really appreciate that you listen to me. Uh, Janet Dunn, who wrote an article on listening in Leadership Magazine, said this, good listening often diffuses the emotions that are a part of the problem being discussed. Sometimes releasing these emotions is all that is needed to solve the problem. 
The speaker may neither want nor expect us to say anything in response. Sometimes, not always, of course, but sometimes all that person wants is to be listened to. Instead of speaking, if you actually just really listen to that person and they can get it off their chest and they actually feel like you've heard them, sometimes that is enough for them to say, okay, I'm in a place where I can talk. I'm in a place where we can work on this. But a lot of people aren't in a place to actually work on things until they feel that they're heard or listened to. Uh, Proverbs 18.2. And this is the second point here. When you listen to someone, you are actually loving them. Uh, we are called to be lovers of people. It's part of our mission to love people. When you listen to someone, you are loving them. Proverbs 18.2 says, Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. I mean, sometimes I'm like this, sometimes you're like this, but we know those people, right? It's always someone else. They just, they just love to talk and air all their opinions and their ideas, and, and, and they just, they're never interested in listening to you. Uh, that's foolish to not listen. It's foolish to want to give your view, your point, your argument before you listen. Maturity in Christ always begins with listening, trying to find out, trying to understand. Fools have no interest in understanding. Uh, this PhD, this is, this is describing someone who doesn't want to listen. What I want and what I have to say are all that matters when we talk together. When we make decisions, what you want, your concerns, your feelings, these are mere whispers, inconveniences, and irrelevancies. So when we discuss issues, my opinions are right, yours are wrong, or else of minimal importance. If you expect to have input, you are undermining me. And this is what's going on when, when you don't listen to someone. Now, you may not be expressing that, but this is often how people feel when they're not listened to. I mean, you ever been in a place where you're trying to tell a story and someone interrupts you and they go off somewhere else? You all of a sudden, it's like, oh. I mean, it's unloving not to listen. And that's why all of us need to continually work on to become people who don't interrupt. Man, I used to be the worst. I still do this sometimes, but it's like trying to, to because we always think, well, my idea is better. I got a better idea. My, important, my point's more important. And all of a sudden, if you push that person to a place where they don't feel loved, it doesn't matter if you win the argument, you still lost. It begins with listening. When you listen, you're actually saying, you know, I care about you. And I love you enough to hear. Even though I totally disagree with you, even your ideas are the most nutty, crazy ideas in the world. I don't care, about, but I love you. And when you listen, and when someone feels loved and cared for, all of a sudden these walls become to come down. And you can actually move to a place from an argument to a conversation. And so we're going to talk about next week that we need to not think confrontation, but we need to think conversation. And the way you do that is to begin by listening. Philippians 2 says, in humility, value others above yourselves. And think about this in a conversation. Think about this with a difficult person. Think about with this when you're talking to someone whose ideas are just dumb in your opinion, and you think you're right and they're just wrong. It's in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In other words, you shouldn't just be concerned about your ideas and your point and your argument because it's better and you're going to show them and you're going to tell them and put them in their place. It begins with listening, to really listen. Bonhoeffer said this, The first service that one owes to others in the fellowship 
consists in listening to them. Just as love to God begins with listening to his word, so the beginning of love for the brethren is learning to listen to them. One who cannot listen long and patiently will presently be uh, talking beside the point and will never really be speaking to others, albeit he may not be conscious of it. Anyone who thinks that his time is too valuable to spend keeping quiet will eventually have no time for God and his brother, but only for himself and his own follies. There is a huge ministry in listening. Uh, Just a ministry to really listen to somebody. And that is so hard. Even though I kind of think I'm sort of a good listener, maybe you don't think that, but I kind of think I am. Uh, I mean, still, when you're in a conflict situation, it takes everything, and I still don't do it very well. So it just takes everything not to like, well, you got to, you know, and just to show them. It it is super hard. But again, this has to do with maturity in Christ because one of the fruits of the Spirit is, is patience. And there is nothing that will push our patience more than listening to someone who has ideas that are different than you, that you consider an enemy or a frenemy or just, you just, it's a difficult person. That's when your patience is pushed to a max. But still, if you want to do well with difficult people, you must first listen, the ministry of listening. And this is the point of listening, is to fully understand them before responding. You can respond some or ask questions, but you want to try to fully understand them. And this takes a lot of work because this is trying to put yourself in their shoes to really understand where they're coming from. Proverbs 18, 13 says, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. If one gives an answer before he hears, really hears the person, it is folly and shame. And again, sometimes we're in a difficult conversation. I mean, they might spend 30 seconds. We interrupt them and say, well, no, this is the way. This is the way it's supposed to be. This is the way it is. This is what I think it is. And again, you're not really listening to them. And you might be arguing here and they're arguing here. And sometimes arguments are like ping pong balls that go back and forth. And you're just really missing the the point of the argument to really fully understand. Proverbs 18, 15. The heart of the discerning acquires knowledge. For the ears of the wise seek it out. And this is, again, trying to understand that person. Trying to get knowledge from that person. Where are they coming from? Why are they thinking this way? Why are they angry at me? And this, of course, involves asking questions to clarify. Uh, If you really want to know what they're thinking, sometimes you've got to ask questions. Proverbs 20 says, The purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Sometimes people don't even know fully why they're mad. They're just mad at you or the situation. A lot of times our hearts are like deep waters. We're frustrated and we don't even fully know or maybe we think we're actually angry about this, but it's a result of, a result of some previous brokenness in, in our life or it's a result of something going on. But if you want to be a person of understanding, you need to draw out that person's heart. You need to make clear those muddy waters. And sometimes that is asking questions. Uh, to try to, again, ask questions until you can begin trying to figure out where they're coming from before you try to bring in a response. And lastly, and this is sort of the point of listening, is you want to listen until you can empathize. Empathy is this. It is the capacity to feel another person's feelings, thoughts, or attitudes. Empathy is the capacity to feel another person's feelings, thoughts, or attitudes. And this is really hard. 
when you're dealing with someone who's difficult. Really hard when you're in an argument with somebody. Because the last thing you want to do is put yourself in their shoes. And this is what empathy is. It's basically trying to put yourself into their shoes so you can try to figure out their perspective, why they're angry, where they're coming from. But if you want to do well in conflict and dealing with difficult people, you need to work to a place where you can have empathy for that person. doesn't mean you need to agree with them. doesn't necessarily make them right. You could still be 100% right. They're wrong. But it's trying to figure out where they're coming from so you can help them. And you can have a helpful conversation. I mean, you ever been in an argument with somebody and you know that person just doesn't know where you're coming from? You know they're not understanding you. They're just arguing at you and it just makes you frustrated again, not heard. And they're not willing to ask you questions or listen to you. It just makes you frustrated when you can't, when you're not understood. And even if you're on the wrong side of an argument, it is still frustrating for that person if they don't feel understood. To be a man, a woman who is wise is trying to make clear those muddy waters and trying to try to put yourself into their shoes. And we're to do this. First Peter 3.8 says, all of you should be of one mind. And we're to sympathize with each other. To love each other as brothers and sisters, be tenderhearted, and keep a humble attitude. Romans 12 says, we're to rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. In other words, we need to put ourselves into their position at times. And again, this can be very helpful in uh, conflict situations. I mean, you can take an extreme case of the worst of enemies. In fact, there is a book and a movie made of the story of these two. It's called The Best of Enemies of a guy named C.P. Ellis and Ann Atwater. Uh, he, in the 60s, was, part, it was a leader of the KKK. She was a leader of the civil rights movement in North Car Carolina. These people hated each other with a passion. So much so that one time, Ann Atwater took a knife to C.P. Ellis's throat and threatened to kill him. He went and bought a machine gun in case he needed to use it. Now, probably most of our situations, conflict situations, aren't that bad. So this is a good illustration. It was horrible. But what happened is in 1971, North Carolina began to, to, to desegregate the schools and to bring them together. And they forced this leader of the KKK and the leader of the civil rights movement to sit on the same committee. Ten days long, 12-hour day talks. They were forced to sit together. And part of the purpose was that they would share their stories. They were forced to listen to each other. They were forced to understand each other's perspective. They were forced to, to empathize with each other. And do you know, as a result of these meetings, these two became the best of friends? In fact, C.P. Ellis, when he actually was, because he would never listen to Ann Atwater, ever. He was forced to listen, and he actually gave up his leadership of the KKK and actually became a part of the civil rights movement. Because he actually for the first time, listened. For the first time, he actually heard. For the first time, he began to empathize with Ann Atwater and say, now I actually understand. And they became so close that, uh, that at C.P. Ellis' funeral, it was a private family funeral, uh, C.P. Ellis actually asked Ann Atwater to read the eulogy at the funeral. Uh, the worst of enemies, the only thing that brought them close together was listening. Now, they were forced to listen. No one is forcing you to listen to that person. 
No one is forcing you to really listen, to really try to empathize, to really understand, to really ask questions. No one is forcing you to do that. But if you want to try to live at peace with everybody, it begins with listening. It begins by trying to put yourself in their shoes. It begins to try to understand their frustrations and where they're coming from, where they're broke. Because, I mean, the reality is hurting people hurt people. And often you can't really help until you understand how they've been hurt. In fact, this idea of listening and, and empathizing is actually working in extreme conflicts like between the Israelis and Palestinians. Uh, there are Israeli Christians and there are Palestinian Christians. And yet because of the history, there's just this, this hatred and this animosity between the two. And they just can't get along. But you know what they find actually works? Is they take an Israeli Christian and a Palestinian Christian. They have them sit down and listen to each other. The Israeli tells their whole story of how they've grown up in fear and how, you know, they've had this idea. And when they listen to the whole story, questions are asked until he's fully heard. And then the Palestinian shares his story until they get. And now, they don't agree in the end, but here's what happens. And time and time again, because they listen, these two perspectives and stories that are this far away where there's hatred, they listen to each other, they emphasize until the stories are this close, and then it's close enough where Christ actually becomes the bridge. And then they can actually love each other as Christians. Doesn't mean they agree. Doesn't mean that they say, well, your opinion's right. They just get close enough where Christ can be the bridge. And this is what can happen in your relationships. Even though you may still disagree, it may bring you close enough together by being able to listen that you can actually have a bridge with that person. Sometimes when you really understand where someone is coming from, because all conflict comes from sin and brokenness. In fact, I have a, a friends of mine who lead uh, Family Life Canada Marriage Ministry, and they say every marriage issue comes down to sin and brokenness. And when you can understand someone's history of, of just their own sin or their brokenness, it helps. I mean, one more story that uh, I think, I think Marie and I were listening to it on the way to Calgary last year, but a, a story of a new married couple whom uh, they were just having real troubles with, with the mother-in-law, the, the, the mom of the bride. Whenever the mother-in-law would come around, she would begin to nag on her daughter. Uh, you need to do more. You need to cook more, you need to clean more, you need to have more sex, you need, to, you need to serve your husband more, you need to dress nicer. It was just all the time, every time, it began to wear both the husband and wife down to the place where we, we can't invite her over anymore. She just, every time she complains, and, and she, my wife is never good enough for the mother-in-law, we need to draw boundaries until someone said, have you ever tried to listen to her? Did you ever try to empathize and try to figure out where she's coming from? And when they did that, it dawned on them to a place where they moved from anger to compassion, to a place where they wanted to push her away to the place where they are now able to minister to her. And what they began to realize is what happened numerous years ago with, with, with uh, the bride's mom and dad. That the dad one day said to, uh, to the, the mother-in-law, uh, I'm leaving. I found a younger woman, and I'm sorry I'm leaving you. Uh, she's more pretty. She's not nice. I'm heading off. And this mother-in-law was extremely weighed down by guilt. That if I had just cooked more, if I had just had more sex, if I just cleaned more, if I would have done more and more, maybe I could have saved my marriage. And all of this, this, this stuff spewing out onto this, their daughter's marriage is all coming from her own hurt and her own guilt. 
And all of a sudden they move from a place where I just want to get rid of my mother-in-law to a place. Now we know how to pray for her. Now we know maybe how to minister to her, to help her receive healing from Jesus. And some of our relationships might be like that. You are angry and upset with somebody, but you've never really stopped and said, where are they coming from? Because again, hurting people hurt people. Do you know maybe where they've been hurt? It starts with listening. Doesn't mean they're always going to listen to you. Again, as far as it depends on you, and a lot of times, well, it's up to them, and it's they need to do that because they wronged me. As far as it depends on you, we are to try, and it's not always possible. We're going to talk about putting up boundaries sometimes. We need to do that with people. It's not always possible, but it's, we've got to try to live at peace with everyone. Before you can speak the truth in love, you need to listen. And this is something that Jesus has done for us. I mean, you think, well, you know, why should I do that? Because Jesus has done all of this for us. We are the wrong ones who wronged Jesus. While we are still enemies, the Bible says, Christ died for us. He was the innocent party. He didn't say, well, it's not my issue. They need to come to me. They need to figure this out because I didn't do anything. I'm the innocent party. He lived, Romans 12. As far as it depends on me, Jesus says, I'm going to make, try to make peace in this situation. And he didn't just do a little bit. He poured himself into human flesh. He lived life. You talk about entering into someone else's shoes. Jesus did that. Entered into our world. In fact, Hebrews 4 says, Jesus, the Son of God, uh, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize, there's our word, with our weaknesses. He, he knows. But we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. It was because Jesus entered our world that we were actually able to have peace. And maybe... Just maybe, in order for you to have peace in your relationship, you need to enter into their world and listen. Doesn't mean it's always going to work, but I tell you, it's the first step you need to take. And there was Jesus dying on a cross when he didn't have to, when he did not sin so that we might be reconciled. Again, as far as it depends on us, we're to live at peace with everyone. Jesus lived this for us, and he calls us, to live this for others. I invite the worship team up and uh, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you sent your son Jesus. Even though we are the ones who sinned, even though we are the ones who rebelled against you, even though we were the ones who messed up and we were the enemies, God, we thank you for Jesus who did everything possible that we might have a right relationship with God. God, I thank you that he was tempted in every way so that he understands our weaknesses. We thank you, Jesus, that you understand what's going on in our lives today. You understand our pain. You understand our feeling that we're not being listened to. You understand the conflict we are in. And we thank you that you entered into our world, that you might be our high priest, that you might be our help. So, Father, I pray that you would fill us with the fruits of the Spirit. That we might be truly pay people who 
are loving and gentle and patient, even in, in conflict situations. God, would you give us amazing power to listen and not respond in anger, not to blurt out what we think, but to truly try to listen before we speak the truth in love. So God, we pray for any broken relationship in this room. God, that you would bring in healing. God, even if those relationships are horrible as C.P. Ellis and, and Ann Atwater, God, that you are able to do the impossible. So God, I pray you'd be working miracles in those difficult situations in our lives over the next few weeks as we talk this through. And God, I pray this week that you would work listening into, into our relationships. God, that we would listen to those we're getting along with well, and they would listen, God, to those whom we're struggling with. In Jesus' name, amen.